0: It's hard because, you know, I have a th- personal relationship with justice and the feeling of when there's an injustice. And I get really, I'll admit it, really angry around what I when I perceive injustice. And I say that because uh, who am I to judge whether it's really unjust or not? But sometimes it's obvious. So when I see a, what I view as a very obvious injustice, and when members of my family or others don't see it at all. It actually just confuses me. And that's one of those moments where I get lost and I everything drops out. And I lose, for the moment, all the stuff I've been talking about. <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah. And that's when you have to rely on that even more. And it's hard for me to see the other point of view sometimes, especially when it seems so obvious that you shot somebody in the back seven times and it was his fault. <laughs> ¶¶
1: Hello, everybody. This podcast is called. Whoop, it's not called that. Movement matters. Welcome to it. I don't know if I say that normally. I think I don't. So, here goes. Movement matters. I'm your normally your host, Colin Kurtz. Could be some other people sometime. We'll see. Just gonna get right into the. Uh, I guess the guest description. John Augustine, wonderful fella. Hopefully some of you know him. He's been around these parts for a while. And here's the thing that happened in the episode. It was fun. Basically, I hit record thinking we were on the same page and we weren't. And you're going to hear that in the beginning because we kind of are laughing about how he he had just finished describing. Sorry, I won't repeat anything, John. Don't worry. Don't freak out right now. He had just finished describing quite a bit about his past, specifically with regard to his time in Hollywood. And needless to say, we cut all of that out because he didn't think it was being recorded. I have never done that to a guest. I would never do that on purpose. I certainly didn't do it to John on purpose. We thought that it was... I thought that we were both clear that we... Um, we're ready. We had been talking for a while. Like, wait, 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 wait. This happens with people all the time. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just hit record and start. Okay. I thought we had done that. Anyway, John, hopefully you're happy with the way it got edited because we cut that first part out. Um. What do you need to know about John? Well, he's helping. The reason that he's uh, the guest right now is partly because of I've wanted him for a while, but he was willing, because we've been seeing each other a lot recently, he was willing to partake, I think, as a bit of a promotion for me and Koru generally and something that he and I are working together a bit on called the Real Wellness Collective, part of what is being uh, referred to as Happy Grow Media. You've heard me hint at this. Uh, you heard Ari and I hint at this on our episode. Essentially, we are establishing ourselves slowly or in our own way as a media company. We're becoming media moguls, people. That's the idea. However we succeed, that's what we're going to do. Um, the whole back room here at KORU, uh, to be quite clear, is being turned into and is almost done. Being We've almost finished this. Uh, sets. Four sets specifically. There are uh, at least two others throughout the space here, and and then there'll be more elsewhere, but four sets in the back. And we're recording shows, we're recording courses, instructional videos, and the, the main show, as we're currently calling it, is one that John is helping to write and create the sort of storyline for. He has a lot of experience with that, very little of which we get into in this episode, because I don't know if he wanted to, and I don't like to force people, but you look him up, the resume's pretty impressive. Guy knows what he's been, knows what he's doing. He's been around the block for a while. Got a, got a lot of experience, to say the least. Um, I don't really know him that well in that context I just know that he's talented I mostly just know him as I attempted to bring out as a really loving goofy just as he kind of keeps pushing for sort of spiritual guy he's a very spiritual guy I don't usually use that word but I think it's kind of a loud piece in this episode I think the spiritual tone is relatively louder uh, at least than I expected I knew we'd get into that a bit, but I think it's a little louder than I expected, which is great, just not what I personally thought we were going to do, but it turned into a lot about awareness specifically, and the need for and the value of awareness, awareness in all contexts, but specifically self-awareness, and what does that mean? Uh, as part of a, as an individual in a collective. uh, The hero's journey is something that is acknowledged, Um, sort of an undertone throughout a lot of it. The need for self-awareness, and I'll add this. The reality that self-awareness is not just a nice tool that some people add to their their lives and their tool belts. And it's not a nice skill that some people develop. And it's not something that you just find on a weekend retreat. I think it's the necessary tool. And it is available to all of us. And it is available to um, sharpen and hone in on and, and craft at every moment for all of us. I really believe it is the necessary tool for, I'm going to use a loaded word, um, for our individual and collective salvation. I was talking with a client today who has a lot of connections to Venezuela. And the, you just, look at the history of that country, especially over the last 40 years, we'll say, even 30, 30 to 35. And the attempt, if you, if you gather all the facts, and we obviously could barely do that, but we, she definitely knows a lot of them, and she definitely can explain them pretty well. But even with all the facts the solution is still almost (laughs) completely um, beyond our realm of imagination without more of us becoming self-aware. Not just those of us who care about movement or somatics, not just those of us who fall into certain categories not just those of us who are interested in a particular kind of progress but humans we are clearly it could not be more clear that we are a global species and civilization and society and that's i think that's good and in order for us to truly flourish as a species which i believe we can i wholeheartedly believe we can the self-awareness needs to be the norm self-awareness needs to be the norm and it's just a matter of critical mass if you will if most of us were self-aware in a particular way which is the essence of what we call real wellness the entire experience as a as an individual, as a human animal, would be objectively, quantifiably, qualifiably better for most, if not all. Self-awareness, it's the game changer. And we don't, I don't think it's the norm, especially not in a particular kind of understanding, a particular context. It's just not the norm. It needs to become the norm. Or the the horrors that we are capable of are just going to continue to repeat and that's obviously what people are anxious or scared of happening they're terrified some of them and it is happening for so many people not in a particularly obvious way that compares to certain things in the of the 20th century but the fear is real for people and yeah how about that for a soapbox? I could I could keep going. I'll stop though. Um, my own little inner clock just chimed in. <laughs> you'll see how this connects. John's a beautiful man. Apparently, pretty talented. <laughs> um, you have to sometime. Hopefully, be able to see one of his plays again sometime soon. This is John Augustine describing self-awareness after telling me things that he doesn't want recorded <laughs> enjoy hi hi <laughs> hi wow i'm imitating here colin we are to beginning colin. hey colin do you feel a little embarrassed now or something well the audience won't know why i would feel embarrassed i know but i can we can instant we can am i blushing no let them wonder
0: what's hap- what them happened what happened before they turned yeah. on
1: all right, so you're ready, and I have a shirt on, and I've got my cold brew. You've got your Dunkin'. We have we have everything we need. I think Nobody so. else is going to interrupt us. We have everything we need. We do. Okay. Let's make some magic. So
0: what's going on, Colin?
1: Well, Tony and I just brought those chairs. That's exciting. I feel accomplished. That is exciting. <laughs> They're going to be beige. Are they here? No. Oh, okay. That would be impressive. Gosh, that would be a great delivery speed. I told you, we needed to just hit record before we even started, like, getting... <laughs> well, I'll start. I mean, thanks for
0: asking me. Um, I'm excited about your venture here with Ariana and others at KORU. Let's get this out of the out of the way. Bless. KORU, Co- KORU, KORU. It's a word... I really... Yeah, the, yeah, tell the us about emphasis the
1: on the ooh is is the only thing it brings up... uh, Is it wrong or right first? It's not the way I like to hear it. So, I I don't correct people. So it's koru. Koru.
0: So the emphasis, interestingly enough, on the core, which is your core self, koru.
1: Yeah, we thought about using that as a pun, but ultimately, no. no.
0: I wasn't doing a pun. I was just edifying (laughs) for the listening audience. Koru.
1: Koru. You're still kind of... Koru. Just koru. Koru. Yeah. Koru. Yeah, there have been some people throughout the couple of years who they are like, Kuru! And they're so cheesy and...
0: Well, it's just kind of... I mean, the word comes from somewhere else. Do you want to tell our audience where it's from?
1: Sure, if they don't know, it's the... They don't. Maori word. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're saying that correctly. Maori or Maori. Uh, the Maori word for... It has four meanings. New life, not to be confused, some sort of uh, born-again thing. Mm-hmm. Growth, strength, and peace. Exactly. And the symbol is an unfurled fern, a fiddlehead fern, to be exact. I'm a fan of the fiddlehead. Yeah, we like the fiddlehead, Koru. Yeah, (laughs) Koru. So, well, I'm excited for you and (laughs) Koru, which brought me, you know, thinking about. Can we at least describe why we're why this is so clunky? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, because you didn't know i hit record which yeah. was not on purpose that was not meant to be sneaky we had been talking and we we're like all right we just need to hit record we had said it probably like i don't know half a dozen times so i just hit it and then you went off on a pretty pretty epic tangent or tale you started describing your entire background from 96 to 2001 and then 2001 to 2004 and then essentially getting to where then i skipped (laughs) yeah and shifting from Hollywood and LA and showbiz if you will and working with sitcoms to Becoming the obviously wholly integrated um, Self-aware enlightened beautiful man that you are today is there somebody? Is that behind accurate? Me? <laughs> yeah, just the last part. Yeah, <laughs> the beautiful, the self-aware, the All enlightened. It. Yeah, no, good. no, I'll, yeah. I'll accept that. Yeah, yeah, take it, take it, take it. Um, it's a journey. So we, I yeah. think that was that. A did we capture sure. the those first ten minutes that we are editing cap well enough? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. But yeah. that self-aware part that you you wanted to talk about, Koru. We wanted to tie in your relationship with what we're calling real wellness, but generally just who John is as a, as a wise, as a wise motherfucker.
0: I don't, I, that's a lot of pressure. I don't like to talk about myself, but I would like to just talk about <laughs> the idea <laughs> if you of, you do it so well. <laughs> hey, the idea of Koru and the question that came up for me when I was thinking about seeing you today yeah. was the idea that everybody involved, everybody's investigating themselves and looking to move forward. Everybody's yeah. on a journey. And I think every everybody's on a journey, even if they don't realize it. It's whether or not you want to get to that destination.
1: Um, Ooh, wait. Hang on a second. There's some tricky language there. <laughs> I'm tricky. Well, get to. Well, because the Be that's on a journey and get to. Well,
0: that's the point. It's a false, mm. it's an illusion that you arrive somewhere. Um, wait, by think, the way,
1: that's Koru.
0: There you go. See? Full circle without even knowing it. Um well, there are yeah. a
1: few foundational I don't even think they're fair to call them philosophical I, I don't like to use the word spiritual any of those labels I really shy away from they're, I call it real wellness because it's just what's real as a human maybe as a mammal certainly as a biological creature but specifically as a human with all of our bells and whistles namely the uh, prefrontal cortex and the ability to observe ourselves there is no ending and the idea that there could be is really what's getting us into trouble.
0: Well, I think we're, exactly. Yeah. So I. that's why the idea of when people study themselves and to try to move forward toward a perceived ending, when you awaken, there's this idea that you found it. Remember Est in the, or whatever it was in the 80s, I found it and I, it's like, what do you find? Well, you'll know when you find it. And it's like, well, I don't know if you find it but I think the pursuit of looking and moving forward and always trying to improve. So like the idea of awakening and then reawakening, because I think sometimes we think we've arrived somewhere mm-hmm. and then then you're wondering, well, what do I do with depression? What do I do with anger? What do I do with bitterness and resentfulness? And those are my well, good qualities. Well, and
1: just what happens. What do you do <laughs> when something around you changes? Which it inevitably will.
0: It does, as it has. This whole COVID thing has given us some time for new reflection. It's an opportunity that we may not want, but depending how you take it, it's a wonderful opportunity to look outward and inward.
1: Well, I think this is what you and I often are dancing with and dancing around sort of without having to even put words to it. Maybe that's why it's tricky for us because like, we don't even need to talk about this. So why are we talking about it? Well- because it's fun. Let's try to just let it well, be Well, also for friends who are yeah. looking. Yeah, that, yeah.
0: To help us, uh, me and my friends, just to sort of articulate what this
1: really means. And so, yeah, What I, so what I was adding there is what I think you and I are often, again, I'll say dancing or just, just being playful with, because I usually think of you as somebody I can be really playful with, is the... Oh, um, hmm. Yeah, that that. It's not a paradox. I don't want to use too many cliche phrases, but that o- that awareness, that particular kind of awareness, that hey, what we probably really need is to let go of control, to let go of certain ideas that have largely been around for a while, and. You said you were going to call if I did it for you. And <laughs> embrace fundamentally what is right in front of us, which again, one key thing is there is no ending. There is no static state that we can impose upon ourselves or another person or the world at large, or even a small scale, like a neighborhood or country, whatever. There is no static end state that we can impose and maintain without forcing it, without doing harm, without continuing to essentially struggle unnecessarily. There needs to be a way for us to let the new happen over and over and over. And we are absolutely, I'm going to say, this is my opinion, of course, you don't have to agree with this, We are largely, as a species, terrible at that, I would say.
0: Terrible at what? Letting the new happen? Yes. Okay. Well, that brings (laughs) us a little bit to what's what's the first step? Like, what comes first? Awareness, stillness. And what does stillness mean? And that's what I was saying about the virus. I feel like it got Mm -hmm. us into a place of stillness. Like, it got me into a place of stillness. Because everything that was drawing my attention... It, it went away and there were no phone calls, no email, There, nothing was making me go do anything. So I got to a place of stillness again and to a place of awareness. And I was thinking, what does it mean to be aware
1: and to be awake? And well, as a human, yeah, it's probably different than as a dog or a bird or sure. a... A snail and, and no. A we bum. all know our dogs are in the moment constantly. They're only in this moment. They're pretty damn good at it. They all it. Yeah. read Ram
0: Dass. Be here now. They're they, just here now. They just got the cliff notes, probably.
1: And <laughs> we, I think that's what I thought could be fun with you to eventually get into is what what I think is sort of like the the why we are kind of confused as a mm-hmm. species. But we don't have to get to that yet. But because um, I know we can probably do it in a fun way. But before we go there, yeah, what's those? What how did Like, awareness obviously can mean, or can look, it looks different for everybody, I think. And it needs to, of course. And so if there's, like, what's the first step? Well, your first step is probably going to look a little different by virtue of the fact that you are different. You are, your experiences are different. And you may notice something that John or Colin or Ari or Alex or Tony, et cetera, might not notice. And that's great. But noticing anything or observing Anything about yourself is that first step. But that's
0: the point is finding your own first step. Yeah. that's not having somebody else tell you what's correct or not correct about it. You, you can right. look into yourself and say what's my what am I aware of today? Am I aware you know when you say a snarky comment to somebody, what's really going on for you? what made you what came up in you that make you say that or do that? What made you do that tweet? Not that I've ever <laughs> written an inappropriate tweet and then regretted it the next day and deleted it. I've never done that. Um, I have to tell you one thing: my partner or husband—I still not used to the word husband, but I'm grateful it's legal. Uh, We—he has an aunt Marian who's a former nun, or at least tried to be a nun, and she li- she's like 95, lives in a retired place for retired nuns, whatever that's called. You know,
1: a kind of convent. I
0: guess. No, no, it's a like an assisted living, but. I don't know what you call this now, not a nursing home, but mm-hmm. anyway, it's a beautiful place to have, a, cha- have a, you know, a chapel and all these nuns. And she said something the other day, and this made me think about being awake and aware. She said, um, she, she was talking about school and that she was good at every subject except detention. Mm-hmm. And she was, wasn't really making a joke, but she kind of was, sort of. And I laughed because I thought, what does it mean to be in detention And about the virus, like, are we in detention? And then I thought, because when I was a Catholic child in school, I was jealous or envious of the kids that got detention. Because for me, it seemed like this opportunity to be in a quiet room because my house was so loud and perhaps volatile. So to me, the kids that got to go to detention were given this wonderful gift. And I thought, well, I don't want to do something bad to be in detention. How can... (laughs) But is there some way I can have that quiet time, like in this lovely classroom? The, the school we went to was nice, and I liked it. So that idea of detention is um, like... And, but then people perceive, what is detention? It's being held back or restrained. And so, uh, yeah, that's just a word. But when you distill that down to what happened, what were we trying to do with the kids that did some thing that caused detention. You have to stay after school in detention. And usually it was about being quiet. They weren't even allowed to do their homework, I don't think. You had to just sit there and think about it, (laughs) which was like forced meditation on some level (laughs) for the Catholics. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) feel free to jump in before I keep going. But here's the point. How can you find peace in your own detention? If right now in the virus, if you're feeling you're, you're detained and you're stuck, how can you find peace in that? Where can you? How can you find the opportunity? I can't tell you that, and you. But if you can look for that, that's sort of one of the the things to to look for.
1: Right. Okay. So it's going to be hard not to just get into the really exciting piece that I know you and I can play with. Oh. Um, because I was also raised Catholic, as you know, and this <laughs> kind of language isn't necessarily even. These aren't terms necessarily that everybody's even familiar with. I know what you're talking about, and. Interesting confession to keep the kind of the puns alive. I never was in detention, and it's one of those things that I think about for myself. I got demerits, which was the preface. If you got ten of those, you got detention. I never got enough demerits throughout my entire time in grade school, and I went to Catholic high school, so I never have experienced that. But of course, I saw it, and I know what you're talking about. And I think generally, especially in grade school, you just had to sit and watch the clock and it was your punishment. So not the channel Dostoevsky here but what we're referring to unintentionally here is the choice to relate to what's going on as obviously a punishment or a gift. a gift you could say. Yeah, and even you don't even have to be so extreme in the language. This is what's happening, why is it happening? Let's just even no. let's just be that neutral about it.
0: Right. Well, like what are the consequences of my actions?
1: And what I wanted to get at that's provocative, no doubt about it, but something that I think you and I can have fun with is, and the, pre- the, the quick preface here is, I literally was just speaking with a client about prayer yesterday. It needed to be said. Mm-hmm. And I, we came up with a really great definition of prayer. I use the word God in my normal, everyday vernacular with myself and with Ari. Um, there, are th- there are terms that I think are conventionally obviously very Christian. They're also obviously universal. But what I want to say, and I think <laughs> if you want to go here, we can, but what I can't help adding is I I really believe, especially with this country, but maybe even the entire fucking species, we're dealing with the results of our Christian uh, beliefs to a large extent. This particular psychosis that we're dealing with is not a not exclusive to christianity but the extent to which to quote if you if you're still allowed to louis ck christianity one is really showing up hardcore and we're having to again to use some fun language reconcile that it's a reconciliation of how we've distorted our capacity for awareness with christian beliefs namely what's called heaven's reward syndrome <laughs> as he strokes his beard and smiles. <laughs> and look, if th- here's the quick unpacking. So if you think you can control something around you to such an extent that you, you're going to try to force a change, I haven't met anybody for whom that kind of tendency isn't somewhat rooted in the... Adulteration of their consciousness by virtue of something around them, giving them the impression that they are capable of achieving an ending or that destination, a.k.a. heaven or uh, the 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 final result. And then realizing after consistently not experiencing that, that it isn't lasting and over and over and over trying to repeat that pattern. And that I think, I don't know if that made any sense, but it's what shows up as... (laughs) I'll
0: let you decide at home. (laughs) Yeah, that's what
1: (laughs) shows up in how we relate to ourselves as projects, how we relate to our relationships as things that should be perfect or finished because we got our ducks in a row. We relate to the environment as the thing we need to fully control. And that's the only way. And all we end up doing of course is degrading, if not our own um, dare I say soul, but at the very I mean, obviously more direct oh, is the capacity right. to uh, sustain our existence. And I think that is largely rooted in, some confusions about reality that have we have to give christianity its credit
0: <laughs> well i think most people agree that every religion if people truly behaved in the ways that the religion said most of us would be happy with that i love christians that behave as christians
1: Sure, Is that yeah, the, the golden grammar? rule. Yeah. Do you say
0: as Christians, like Christians? What's the Well, one grammar? of
1: them's in quotes, yeah, the golden rule being the key.
0: So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love Christians that behave like Christians. It's wonderful. Sure. But if you use it as a weapon, then it's, you're not doing it. You know, there's also this idea, I don't know if we'll morph into this, that people who are good people or people that are, quote, spiritual, that they don't feel anger or sadness. And there's some sad things in my life now that we're not going into now. Whether you press the record button or not, but this no, idea—we made that mistake once. There, there's a <laughs> phrase I heard. No, but there is a phrase I heard because I was reading about some other topics about grief, and there's a phrase that came up called anticipatory grief, and that comes up for people dealing with maybe perhaps a friend or a loved one with like a terminal illness, and so it's anticipatory grief. You're living in this grief of what may occur or is occurring, but unlike a sudden death or a death from Something you know, then you grieve. You're grieving who the person was, who they could have been, and you're in this grief process. But the idea of anticipatory grief was interesting to me because it's like, huh, that's like placing yourself in some version of hell. So by constantly anticipating what may, or what is occurring, which is true, you can't deny it, but or thinking about the future at this time when you will then have this grief you're sort of putting your body in this grief mode. So then it brought up the be here now. And when I think about my dog, he's here now. He's always here right now, you know, no matter what, ready to go. And that's a cliche, and we all giggle about how adorable dogs are. But that is a true thing. And so a friend of mine talked to me off a ledge a couple weeks ago and said, you know, appropriately, which I know these words, but sometimes you need to be reminded from a friend, well, today you have a house. Today you have a roof. Today you have food. Today there's not a hurricane. Today, you know, and it's true. In this, it's not even today. He actually said, "In this moment, like right now." And if you truly quote live in the moment and don't anticipate, you really can be happier or happy even, because each moment. I mean. That, But then I joked and said, well, I'm anticipating a moment, six moments from now. So, <laughs> but if you're in the moment and you look around yourself, things are okay. I mean, you do have to plan for the future. If there's a storm coming, you do have to.
1: Not only do you have to, it's, it's wise to, to. It's wise to, yeah. It's so good to. It doesn't negate.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm not saying you're it's both. acting it's a like a balance. goofball and pretending something's not happening. <laughs> but you can't live and react as, you know, there's plenty of time for screaming and crying when the thing occurs, you know. Or to, or standing up, I tend to like get very strong in in um, in catastrophes.
1: Yeah, I think another fun sort of Christian word to play with here, because it you know, obviously. Do you know that my degree is religious studies? I do. Yeah, so I'm impressed by that. I'm often engaged in these points, and I think it's it's helpful because obviously, if you pay attention to anything, you know that the. Christian influence on our world is pretty fucking vast. <laughs> did they, you teach have you, be did a... they teach
0: you that language in your religious studies? No,
1: it just helps me stay fluid. Okay. <laughs> um, my mommy likes it. So, <laughs> so what I was about to just say is the, um, you know, if you go too far in any direction, of course, like just being in the moment, you're not going to do anything. If you focus on just doing things, you're not going to obviously smell the roses. It's obviously a matter of balance. My favorite aspect of Ram Das, the quote I don't want to try to butcher, is something about all work. Just the only thing you can do for me is work on yourself, and the only thing I can do is for myself is work on you. I can, guess that's what stay fantastic. there. Put a, I'm always
0: saying to friends, and friend says, "What can I do to help you?" Work on yourself. And I say, the best thing you can do for me is to take care of yourself. Yeah, And, that's, and I I didn't even know that was Ram Das because my point was when you're a friend that's constantly in turmoil or upset, <laughs> that's harder for me. <laughs> so if you really want to help me when I'm having a hard time be as healthy as you can be. yeah, And that will help me.
1: Right. And so if we all had that kind of awareness, well, hang on before I go there, because there was, oh, uh, the key word I didn't add. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. (laughs) Idolatry is the problem here. Mm -hmm. If you, you don't even have to have that word in your consciousness, but if you end up focusing and obsessing on being in the moment, that's a form of idolatry. If you're, focusing on accomplishing and, and creating um, a world that is uh, never changing and it's just this is perfect the way and now it's perfect perfectionism that's idolatry yeah. it's, it's all just excessive just what it is yeah and what you made a your point about the dog and most animals is they don't tend to do that most other animals i don't know of any really that do except for the ones that get domesticated because you can you can F with a dog's psyche, and they can end up projecting things, and obviously they can become a little more, if, you, if I will. Let's say civilized, but I'm not sure even I like that word. But they can lose that to some extent. Yeah, they extent. can start to get on your
0: schedule and behave the way you behave. And
1: Yeah, yeah. and that's, of course, none of this is necessarily bad. I, there's a saying that we have here. I think you may have heard me say it once. Um, All isms are bad, especially nationalism and absolutism. The point being uh, about the absolutism at the end, just. Um, but yeah, the the idolatry is the key. I think if you get caught up in I- idolizing and f- um, putting idols on your shelves, even if one of them is to just be in the moment all the time, you're all gonna right. miss something. And that's not what we're calling real wellness. <laughs> well, on that topic,
0: related, but maybe different, I'm not sure yet until I tell you, is I'm always, I mean, that idea of lessons, and everybody's a teacher or a student, like, for each other. Like, I may be your teacher today, or your student today, depending what's going on. Um, And sometimes, you know, when I'm just, just when you think you found the answer, and you've arrived at some sort of spiritual enlightenment, you get that opportunity for a lesson. And I'll be driving down the road, and somebody usually they're tailgating me because I do go the speed limit. And usually it's a really scary car that wants to eat my car. And I usually put on my blinker and gently pull over and then hope they crash in the future. So that's, of course, not a very good thought. But then, yeah, that's <laughs> eh, okay. but then they never do. Um, but then you sometimes, <laughs> some, but then on the opposite, after I've been tortured by that person, I then get behind somebody who's going 10 miles under the speed limit. And then I'll get really, really upset. And then I remind myself this is your teacher. It's an opportunity. And then, you know, and, and I'll call a friend and say, well, I, I got a wonderful lesson today to practice patience. I didn't realize I had an, a problem with patience. So I had a wonderful teacher arrive to teach me about patience. And they'll say like, did you learn? I go, not sure yet. I'm sure I'll have another opportunity because River Road will be there. And, but now when it comes up, I will thank the person bless them somebody also told me one way if somebody's in front of you and they're driving you crazy in their car pretend it's your mom or some somebody you like a lot well if you like your mom (laughs) pretend it's somebody (laughs) you, you you love or it's some older person that you love would you want somebody else going up behind that person you love and flashing your lights and being aggressive you would not so i even give the person more space and assume i don't know what their journey is today and there's a reason they're going 10 miles under the speed limit and if they're not drunk and not weaving, I just leave it alone and I take that opportunity to just see the trees, see the Delaware River.
1: Well, obviously you're you know, you're speaking to the value of your superpower, which I'd rather you think of it that way as opposed to some sort of um how did you phrase it? You you thought you're being pretentious or something about empathy? Uh, well you're about speaking what? empathy, you're empathy. You're referring to the value of empathy, of course. Remember what Well, and
0: also not knowing the way we lately, this is off topic also, but just the way we make everybody else outside of us, someone else, like somebody to hate is what people do. An enemy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And they're not, we're all, I mean, it's corny, but we're all connected. We're all part of each other's community, if you will.
1: And not only is it corny, even the most obvious quote unquote enemies, we can't healthily keep that idea and leave it at that. They're not. They're
0: not. It's probably your neighbor or some friend. Or if you met the person in, in a bar or restaurant, you'd probably be friends with them and buy them coffee. I mean,
1: you know. You'd have to, it ends up becoming a form of cognitive dissonance if you think that that person is so much your enemy that they're, you know, doomed, if you will, whatever, put hell in the mix of it you end up, of course, negating an aspect of yourself, which is exactly the problem, the pitfall of that kind of bullshit spiritual perspective. Everything's rainbows and butterflies. No, you all we all have the capacity for incredible horror, <laughs> for terrifying actions. It's a matter of recognizing that's an aspect of reality. And condemning it is only condemning some part of yourself. That's why you don't. Now, that's the math there. If you need to have an equation for not condemning someone, that's right. why.
0: Well, uncondemning even the
1: people whose names are on the tips of our tongues, maybe, maybe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yes, let's not. No, no, yeah. no. But I want uncondemning. I want to talk about judgment for a second. Yeah, a because, tough one, man. No, no. But this one came up recently again in nature, and what the virus uh, afforded me this time during March, leading up till now, often in my yard I'll see these weeds and I'm not a very big gardener but I would pull these weeds out and time went by and the weeds started to grow and it was becoming sort of interesting visually and so for a while I thought about that Shakespeare quote a rose patio no no just out somewhere like on the way to the patio and I thought you know that Shakespeare thing a rose by any other name is still a rose which is true it's just called something so I thought you know that and I've seen written down somewhere a a weed is just a flower I don't know, just a flower.
1: It's one of those tea quotes you get all the time. Yeah, I can't remember what it is. (laughs) But wait,
0: but let me jump ahead. So this one weed was growing. And if you judge it and rip it out by its roots, you've killed this thing. You don't know what its potential is. You don't know what it's going to turn into. And this weed kept growing and it got like three feet, feet tall. And then one day I looked at it, it had that little purple flower. And I realized it's a thistle. And thistles are actually quite amazing. But if you rip out somebody's idea. And this goes to me about the weed or about a friend or somebody creative. If they tell you an idea and you tell them why it's wrong and you kill the seed of their idea, that seed has no opportunity to grow. And you don't know, if you don't know what somebody's seed is, maybe you should be quiet about it. Somebody tells you their idea, don't pull them out by the roots because maybe it's going to grow into something you have no idea. You can't visualize it. As I couldn't visualize this weed, until I left it alone and let it reveal itself to me. And now I go, that's a pretty cool weed. And now I'm hearing and seeing thistle everywhere. I didn't know it was even a thing. But Have you seen the purple flower on a thistle?
1: Yeah. And exactly, pretty cool, right? Yeah, the thistle and dandelion, those are the ones that often get, um, you know, I just Googled it for us. And you see oh. dandelions, the normal picture where that goes with these quotes. There's an Emerson what's, line. There's What a, is it? Yeah, what's the quote? Well, there's he has one. I, I think you're right. shakespeare A weed is a one. flower
0: by a different... What is it? Yeah, there's yeah. also
1: Cecilia Ahern. I didn't know this one. A weed is just a flower growing in the wrong place. Uh, what is a weed? This is Emerson. A plant whose virtues have not yet been discovered. Yeah. And then I think you're okay. right. There's a Shakespeare one, but that...
0: Well, actually, no, I was doing a different Shakespeare It's all the same one. thing.
1: Yeah. yeah. Same point. And but, obviously, yeah, that's a kind of But in this
0: time where everybody, you know, uh, which comes... This time when people are, I see it happen a lot where on Facebook, on other social media, somebody has an idea and everybody jumps on why it's wrong or how they can kill it and how they can kill you or kill your spark. And it's like, wow, like leave it alone. If you don't see it, then maybe back away.
1: Well, you've acknowledged in the meetings we've had recently, and obviously we can speak about Happy Grow, we can speak about the Real Wellness Collective and- the the projects that we're engaged in together you've acknowledged as far as like content that you hope we can integrate you've specifically referenced the um the obvious destructive nature of things like what you're referring to cancel culture and trolling and um monitoring our which i'm guilty of okay well get out of here then okay (laughs) (laughs) um you've you've specifically mentioned that obviously those things would be great for us to play with and in creative ways and it's the same thing what you're referring what we're talking about is the same kind of cognitive distortion quite frankly it's all rooted in the same Mm -hmm. idea the same idol ideation and idealism and idolatries it's god damn if we can figure if we and not and this is why awareness is probably the only solution the only uh pill we can f- take that's gonna make a difference obviously it's not a pill though um you-, <laughs> you stopped stroking your beard <laughs> <laughs> what's that what's that cartoon oh i was i had these i love how I, you brought notes I, well they're not the any, only it's one because my brain well
0: you know why because being a writer and an actor uh-huh. my brain I, I can spin off the planet if i don't well, focus myself sometimes so i just remind myself you know like
1: get in the clouds like head in the clouds kind no of no no
0: i have too many thoughts so oh. i need to like focus some of them in because otherwise it's like a A flight of ideas like I have too many but anyway I was looking I I was keeping a file and so I brought some of them just of those quotes one hears or sees I'll get to that one there's one of people talk well there's a thing in adult children of alcoholics of um if some it's what you think of me is none of my business you know that idea and that's so it's not to obsess on how people see you what you think of me is none of my business and and there's If someone's talking behind your back, there's a reason they're behind you. Oh, I like that. I like that one, which is a variation on the other one. If somebody is talking behind your back, there's a reason they're behind you. Like, don't let that bother you. Like, as you're trying to be creative or move forward and you're on a journey, don't let those words or those people, those naysayers, unless, however, if you're aware and you listen, I'm not saying block them out. Because in playwriting and acting and whatever, somebody may have an idea that you feel is completely wrong. But if you ask yourself, why are they expressing that? There's a seed of truth in there that you can probably use. And you don't have to use their fix of their criticism, but their criticism may bring you to awareness of what they were trying to, what bothered them. And maybe there's something to look at there creatively. And that works for everything for me, for plays. acting or living or spiritual things so what's the other one Um, i think
1: you just highlighted another tool that one can obviously put in their tool belt Mm -hmm. his or or they or all of the respective pronouns tool belt and use and sharpen oh and it's available to use in every context which is to see whatever's going on as a lesson every opportunity isn't or everything that's happening is an opportunity to learn more and to grow as opposed to don't get
0: offended by it so quickly
1: yeah offense is just a reflection of getting caught up in the pot in the idea that it's obviously offense defense right wrong good bad all of these things it's it's relating to what's happening as some potential threat obviously Mm -hmm. and of course that's an that's a choice so you're speaking to not only as awareness part of it but eventually you can realize that the actual threats in our lives are pretty minimal <laughs> uh, especially in modern civilization right
0: now, in bucks county <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah definitely in bucks county but obviously in the civilized world yeah. they're not convent- they're not you know we make comparisons to like before civilization a lot and of course the the threats are you know, we're we're not dealing with. It's not
0: like Raquel Welch in Ten Thousand BC. Yeah, Colin's stuff too like young that. for that movie. But... No,
1: I know what you're <laughs> t- no, that's exactly right. I and love they that made she had it.
0: that '70s hair, though. She's a, in Ten Thousand BC. Very attractive
1: woman. Yes, I I agree. And they've re-made that movie, so I oh. know it. Yeah, yeah. Um, with twenty. Yeah, not like that, but we obviously we know we still have those same kinds of brains. We still have that same potential to react, and awareness is the seed for realizing that. As a human, we can consistently grow, and I don't think we've been taking advantage of that for th- millennia. We've definitely reformed the the toys and the landscape, but we haven't grown. I don't believe we've grown much.
0: Well, on that topic of education, yeah, which is what Chris. Uh, Chris your name's Colin. Um, call me whatever you want. There's me. a. <laughs> this is more about how we look at the education system and how children learn or how adults learn, even all of us. Um, there's, um, a monkey, a penguin, an elephant, a fish in a glass bowl, a dog and a seal. And there's a man behind a desk saying for fair selection, everybody has to take the same exam. Please climb that tree. And I think we've all seen that before, some version of it. Um, you know, like if you take a fish and judge it by its ability to climb a tree, it spends its life thinking it's not very smart, but that's, a really true way also to look at people, and this comes to the cancel culture and to getting angry at people. Spiritual people do this. My democratic spiritual capable.
1: friends- Everybody.
0: Want to you know, not look at where somebody is in their growth and they judge it. And I wish I could remember the man's name I mentioned to you the other day, but he said, "Is a room among the woke for the still waking. And we need to expand the circle, not circle the wagons. And I think that's true whether, regardless of which political side you're on, you, you can't circle the wagons against everybody. You have to expand the circle and allow people to be where they are as, they, as we move forward. If you cancel somebody out before they've had a chance to ask a question, or if they said the wrong pronoun to you and you fly into a rage, it doesn't help us expand that conversation and expand the circle. We have to be more gentle.
1: Yeah, and at the very least, there are two good reasons um, why taking that in and allowing that awareness to grow is necessary or at least good. The one obvious reason is uh, because the alternative is more conflict and war. You're just going to perpetuate more conflict, more violence and war. And the less obvious but equally important and more worth considering is it doesn't work. You're not going to get what you want. What you actually want is only possible by connecting. I like how Stephen Fry relates to all of this and political correctness and things of that nature is just a waste of energy. It's not, it isn't progressive. It isn't a way to progress. Yes, of course, there are ways we need to change and and reorganize our some of our habits duh but <laughs> thinking as if there's a it's just a regurgitation of puritanism and some kind of mora- um, fixed ideation and, and morality it's not actually progressive if you really recognize that the only way forward is together it's not it's not just a cute phrase it's just true and other because otherwise it's just going to be more conflict you're just making more
0: conflict and we're not going to talk politics today but in this very in <laughs> not this, directly but this is all this politics time, obviously. but in this time we really have to try harder even to see the other point of view and just try to be in their shoes for a moment and if they would do it too it'd be great <laughs>
1: It would be, and um, when you want to flip the bird, it just do it privately so that you don't just for your own catharsis. Yeah, reminding myself.
0: <laughs> it's hard because you know I have a personal relationship with justice and the feeling of when there's an injustice, and I get really, I'll admit it, really angry around what I when I perceive injustice. And I say that because uh, who am I to judge whether it's really unjust or not, but sometimes it's obvious. So when I see a, what I view as a very obvious injustice, and when members of my family or others don't see it at all, it actually just confuses me. And that's one of those moments where I get lost and I everything drops out and I lose for the moment all the stuff I've been talking about, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And that's when you have to rely on that even more. And it's hard for me to see the other point of view sometimes especially when it seems so obvious that you shot somebody in the back seven times and it was his fault. And I'm confused by that. I just don't understand how somebody doesn't see what I'm seeing.
1: So this kind of does relate to what I was, like I was saying, something was boiling and it needed, bubbling, I Mm -hmm. said, and it needed to come out. And I won't get into the specifics either. One, because I don't think either of us want to. And two, there are people's names. Yeah not worth mentioning but (laughs) well i mean even like personal um i think what you and i both do is because we're we're relatively introspective obviously we're very introspective and we're we have you know we we use words and we have concepts that could be considered intellectual and duh we even were just referring to um the masters and the teachers and the canon. We I mean, you, we were using those kinds of academic terms. So knowing that that's just not how, I don't know about everybody, but maybe even not most people are operating or um, organized in their thoughts. First off, we got to keep that in mind or we will go nuts. I will just be spinning out of control because i am I forget, oh yeah, the level of rationality that we're capable of is well-trained, <laughs> okay? And it takes training and it takes teaching and it is a matter of educating and it especially as a matter of educating in a new way as you mm-hmm. insinuated with that comic, um, which reminded me of another thing that I'll come back to about sleep even because, man, do we, we have that conditioning all over, like this is the way it's supposed to be. But before I lose this thread, um, what I was needing to get out is this whole tendency if I'm not careful can make me such a fucking curmudgeon (laughs) and I know it and it's because I'm capable of doing the same thing we're talking about which is project some kind of um, destination or ending or perfection upon everyone and everything around me Such to the extent that I am obviously causing my own suffering. And I've been becoming more aware of that, especially this week, because of something very personal that I won't get into, but recognizing that I have no control in that particular arena. Mm. And why do I want to have so much fucking control? Okay. To not have pain. To get that, (laughs) yes, to fix something. Okay. I started to see... Part of the main problem that I recognize is we've lowered our standard of, again, wellness and and a good life, unintentionally. Without doing it on you know unintentionally, um, and. I'm trying to figure out how to get into it without the saying the specifics. Did you ever tell yourself don't don't pay attention to that because there are there's somebody somebody else has something worse going on or there's there are other people suffering and your suffering isn't real. You end up negating your own. That's experience. a Catholic
0: thing. My mother said to it constantly. You think you're bad off. There's always someone worse.
1: Yeah, all of those things. Who well, is that person? The poor person
0: who is the absolute worst.
1: What I started to realize is that's exactly what – that's one of these things that we keep doing to ourselves. And the result is, oh, my God, we're actually – we've lowered our standard of what we expect to be good and for, for life itself so much. So that whole idea of, you know, there's something worse. Somebody is dealing with something worse. There's somewhere where it's harder. We've simply just lowered the bar to such a dramatic extent, <laughs> and now we—it's I mean, hard to even get our heads out of the sand because we're so just—we're uh, not comfortable, but we're almost—we're ignorant to the fact that we—that life could be so much fucking better, mm-hmm. which is really obviously the—the the message that you and I want to be able to share is like this could all be so much better for everybody well this might lead into this i was thinking about what you said before the tea
0: bags you know which is where some of the times i get reminded of things like the longest oh, like journey Yogi tea. Yeah. yeah like the longest journey begins with the first step or you know or well, with that the, the journey of a thousand wild. miles is the first step but here's my point about that yeah. when you see a quote and everybody puts them on instagram and on facebook all they put up is the quote some people do the quote plus give credit to who may have said the quote so what are my challenge is, or my suggestion to friends or listeners, <laughs> is when you love a quote that spoke to you, don't stop there. That's part of your education. Find out who's credited the quote, then look up that person, and you can read about that person and learn, and it opens up a whole new world to you, these quotes, because they spoke to a lot of people because they ended up on a teabag. (laughs) To get on the teabag is not easy. You have to speak to a lot of mofos before they put you on a teabag. So find out who these people are. And that's what I find kind of, I mean, luckily we live in this age where you can actually find it out really quickly. And then I say buy the book and buy the physical book so that you can highlight it and make notes and, you know, just come back to it. And it can become a lovely safety net if that's, you know, or a place to find support or comfort. Um, but, but I'm always surprised, like I'll look something up and go like, like, one of my favorites is when I feel stuck, that Einstein quote, which actually was probably more about his experiments, nothing changes till something moves. You've heard mm. that one, or nothing changes till something moves. Yeah. Einstein has credit for that. Um, and I, it sounds right. But, but that's such an interesting thing that it's true. If you stay static and you don't move at all, nothing's going to change. So when people are like, my life is this, my life is that, something has to move. You have to take some action. Dreams, I read a book once called Dreams Into Action. I had wanted to write for television. I was writing one-act plays a lot. And everybody said my one-act plays were like sitcoms. So why don't you write sitcoms? I had no clue how to do that. And I had pursued it a little and was getting not through all the doors. And somebody gave me a book by this acting coach named Milton Katselis. And um, this speaks to the idea of gurus. And I read this book, Dreams Into Action. And the book terrified me. Because in the book, he said, if you follow what I'm telling you, you will get the thing you want. Well, this freaked me out more than I can say because I thought, yeah, but I'm going to follow it and then not get what I want. Like, it scared me because then it just terrified me. However... I looked at the book. I read it like four times in a week. And then I started highlighting the actions. He said, you can't just have a dream like, I want to be this. You have What's the action to get you there? Like, get out of your spiritual head and take the action. So I started taking the actions. So, and guess what? When I took the actions, before I knew it, I was working at Paramount Pictures writing for NBC. And then I was in my job. At you know, this beautiful studio, living in Hollywood, and I saw that Milton Katzellis, the writer of this book, was directing a play somewhere in Hollywood, and I wanted to go see him and tell him, "I read your book, and I'm in Hollywood now. I followed it, and I got my dream is in action." And I showed up, and my what was that a guru? What would you call him? Like I, my spiritual mentor in my head, he was this ordinary man who directed a play very badly. (laughs) The play sucked. (laughs) It was. I was, And then he had no personal ability to communicate in person. He seemed even hostile and mean to the audience. And I thought, okay, that's actually a really good thing to learn. That's a really good thing for me to learn. It does not negate his message in the book. It does not negate what I learned from his words. He is not a perfect person. He's not even close, at least in that one experience. And I feel guilty saying his name now because maybe he's lovely.
1: Do we have to start over? Yeah.
0: <laughs> not this part, but you can't say the other stuff. But anyway, the, but uh, the, that's the topic of gurus. Like, they're not perfect people. Any teacher that teaches you and you go forward is a good teacher. It doesn't, like, when people say me, well, you're not that, or you talk about, th- like, you talk about this kind of eating, but look at your stomach. And I'm like, well, you know, okay.
1: Yes. So, yeah. Well, perfectionism is one of the many isms. I. Yeah, I love those kinds of anecdotes. Guru, the word itself conjures up so many experiences and and stories for myself. Werner Earhart. <laughs> yeah, well, that's Est guy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you brought him up now. Uh-huh. Uh, I did the modern version, which I gladly would. Which talk one about. was that? The Land, form? landmark form, yeah, yeah. But um, guru, my fa- I I'm still somewhat in touch with this wonderful man who lives with his family in a teepee and has a did at the time when i knew him um had established what he was hoping would turn into a teepee village and he used to love to say G U R U. it's like oh yeah G U R U. yeah yeah you little shit yeah <laughs> and he's one of them he's if anybody taught me that it's okay to be curmudgeony he got it, and he nails it, and it's so great. So many lessons from that guy, regardless of the teepee part, but that alone is obviously amazing because he lives with his wife and five kids now maybe in teepees and all year, and it's amazing. But not to get off on that tangent, although it is relevant to the main thing that you, you got me thinking about there because you said in your head, and I, you know, this podcast is called Movement Matters for a reason, and... Oh. Yeah. It
0: full circle. I forgot. Nothing changes till something moves, moves.
1: Because, fuck, dude. So many of our, so much of our trouble is because of just getting caught up in our heads and our ideas. I went and lived at an ashram in 2007, and I recognized relatively quickly. And there were so many things that were shocking about that experience, but I recognized relatively quickly. Oh, oh. Gosh, everybody's dealing with the same shit. Even those people in those fancy robes who we're technically referring to as our teachers or the um, monks, whatever. They're all... She's grouchier than everybody. And it makes no difference. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. you are We're all dealing with the same stuff. No matter who you are, no matter what you've accomplished, we're still dealing with the same stuff because the patterning is so um, ingrained in us and reinforced without us realizing it's being reinforced, which is exactly why I do th- care about the the macro and the cultural and the social and us weeding through the, yeah, to use that word, you know, maybe somewhat accurate way, weeding through the neuroses that are damaging our potential and our capacity mm-hmm. to enjoy existence itself
0: and it's comforting sometimes to see your leaders uh being human well
1: it certainly helps you feel less pressure Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i love when i'm which is exactly what people need more often because they're putting so much pressure on themselves to be perfect or to have it all figured out or to not be struggling or not be suffering or not have to deal with something Mm -hmm. and that's just a metaphor that's just a way of beating your head against a brick wall i mean don't you love when like the dalai lama says he likes a particular tv show yes or th- you're like what
0: you know because you're thinking he watches like the brady bunch or whatever he didn't say that i'm saying that but whatever i he... wouldn't like
1: that i would not i would be offended he...
0: <laughs> 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 no but he likes either like potato chips or you know there'll be some really mundane thing that he says he loves and it just it makes me adore him even more so because like it's just all living it's just part of being alive. Colin's looking up, for the viewers at home, Colin's looking up what
1: Dalai Lama loves? No. Oh, what were you doing? You'll see. Um, (laughs) I don't know what he loves, but I know what you're talking about.
0: But he'll like something, you don't expect a spiritual leader to, like, love, like, cupcakes or, you know, whatever it is.
1: Yes. And and, let's talk about... Okay, so leaders in general, and in all contexts, of course, spiritual, so to speak, leaders are valuable, but What's the benefit of any of this kind of, this whole thing of having to look to others for guidance is a kind of a weird thing. It makes sense because we're children and we have parents and our parents have Mm -hmm. parents and we, as a family, there's an inherent hierarchy and hierarchy is natural, but the excessive tendency to think that we have to look outside of ourselves for guidance and answers and um all of that is really fascinating and especially the more you see just as you pointed out the more you really get to know anyone for and who's recognized as successful for whatever reason again you just see oh they are dealing with or dealt with the same exact challenges and it certainly is a matter of reinforcing connection but also the the need to be humble and to have humility along the way. But I'd really hope that we we see that there's nothing there's no better. There's nothing really better. Like even the people that I look up to, all they've really helped me do is they inspire. You know, yeah. it's a matter of inspiration. I can achieve that too, or I can understand that too, or I can experience that too. But on that though, if you admire somebody and you
0: love how they're living their life and you want to see if you could do that, and if they've written a book or there can be your teacher, it's like a cheat sheet. You can cut, go right to the source and say, tell me what you've learned. It's kind of like building on the shoulders of previous people that have spent their lives investigating this stuff. So it's a way of, it's an opportunity, not that they're going to give you all the answers, but if they've... Uh, acquired many of the answers it's an opportunity to learn which i I think you agree with you're just
1: yeah like you were saying about lao tzu and Mm you're saying in the kitchen and i totally of course even if i didn't it wouldn't matter but i i I know exactly what you're saying i guess it's a both and situation like most things are where i I guess what i hope is that we normalize recognizing our value and and focusing Mm -hmm. on the people around us because again what i really care about is the human experience actually improving and I believe that it can and I don't believe it's anywhere close to good for most of us at least not in a normal experiential sense so in order for that to shift I do wholeheartedly think that we all have to of course recognize that the people right in front of us and around us and uh, that we live with and that we see every day are as capable of We are as capable of engaging with them and co-creating with them and establishing what we need with them now, as opposed to expecting others to help or expecting some group to do it for us or some others to figure it out for us. We can and we need to do it ourselves.
0: That's lovely. Does Does this day come to an end for us? (laughs)
1: <laughs> which day
0: this one that we're in right now <laughs>
1: I don't know what do you mean like do we need this to podcast stop? yeah
0: I, I, let, we ought to do a contest if you've gotten to this far and didn't cheat yeah I, I'll give you a, a present
1: do you think people are done do think I think so you think tapped out I, I think I'm tapped you just tapped out the, oh my god
0: except I do want to recommend the Tao of Pooh
1: yeah um did something happen in your in your phone world no or no oh okay
0: oh no do you have more to say
1: I <laughs> did I just don't. stop you? No. <laughs> did I just
0: did I just kill your weed? Did I just pull you out by your roots? No, no. Stop I, your I guess
1: you know. I guess it's a matter of are we kind of just going in circles? Is that what you think? No, I don't think so. But oh, maybe okay.
0: for this episode, we could yeah. always pick up again, right?
1: No, no. Yeah, I one time yeah. it was a
0: one and done. I'm a one hit wonder. That's great. Well, let's see if there's something else.
1: Um, no, I think. I think we're fine, man. Yeah. Is there anything you want to say about Happy Grow Media? I'm looking or forward ask.
0: to- Or um, No, I'm looking forward to what grows mm-hmm. out of Happy Grow Media. I think um, the uh, the finding the earth under the Happy Grow, the stability, and that mm. uh, is uh, something I look forward to. And that's what I think my participation may be. Yeah. Is to help stabilize and find- a way to be rooted in the thoughts, so that we can uh, go, <laughs> uh, so we can all grow happily together.
1: <laughs> it makes you nervous. You've spent so much time on camera, right? Haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. All right. Um, but, but usually, there's an editor
0: involved in makeup and lighting. So. You know. Oh,
1: so it's more performance, or a little bit more. It's not as. it's
0: not as authentic yeah yeah.
1: i'm admitting to my ego and uh you know well ego's a good thing that's your being self-conscious to some extent is appropriate it's humbling yeah Uh, yeah otherwise we'd all well you know what we'd be like um (laughs) yeah gotta you gotta have a little bit of everything we can leave it i appreciate you touching on happy grow there and yes the ground which is part basically your job no
0: i don't know we'll discuss that off off uh, air i'm um, kidding anyway you know, <laughs> no no i'm excited for happy grow i think uh you and ariana have uh good hearts and good minds and uh you're looking to f- make a better world
1: just at least contributing in the ways that we can yeah 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 i don't want to take on i think i Sometimes try to take on too much and longest control. journey,
0: first step. <laughs>
1: Amen to that. Yeah, we can leave it. You want to leave it?
0: I think we should leave it here. Throw the towel down. All right, you can now that we're off camera, you can then take your shirt off again if you have to.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's probably well, it depends. Depends what I'm going to do next. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Thank you. I have, to, you, my I have friend.
0: to do the very real thing of getting the oil changed to my car and getting an emission sticker.
1: Yeah. I've got a, a tire that's doing something weird See, too. See, keeping it real at real wellness. Word.
0: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Colin.
1: Thank you, everybody, for listening to that. Kind of a strange ending, but it was a it was a complete conversation. You could just tell John was cooked. Again, we had spoken for a while before that, and we've been talking about all these things for. I guess it was kind of like a couple days in the making and the mission was accomplished. We plugged the, the relevant project and you got to, like he said, it's kind of like part one for him. He'll be back. Especially if you suggest that he returns, which would be a wonderful thing for you to do. If you enjoyed the episode, which I hope you did, please let me know directly. Uh, DMs are great. Comments are great. And of course, all those other things that we're supposed to be pushing for, subscribing and uh, liking and sharing. And again, um, I think the best thing is communicating. I'm always interested in feedback. This this isn't meant to be just talking in a vacuum and talking into a void. This is meant to be an engaging, clearly very specific kind of thought-provoking uh, exploration of what's possible movement is necessary we need we need to move and we need to move forward and i don't think it's alarmist or hyperbolic to say that our the future of our species depends on whether or not we realize what we're capable of, and start moving in that way. And as you hopefully just realized, awareness is key, if you didn't know that already. All right, leave it at that. Uh, The next episode will be with John Morocco, and then we'll see. we have got a long list of people for Season 3 of Movement Matters. All right, have a wonderful rest of your... Day, morning, evening, dusk time, whatever it is. Thank you.